Hello and welcome to the re-release of our podcast for the 2017 Bald Move Award winning film, Dunkirk. So this year is going to be our sixth annual Baldies Awards. We've been doing it for six years. The Bald Move Awards, if you didn't know, is our fake award show where we rank all the actors, TV shows, and movies we saw that year and then crown one of them from various categories a winner. And don't let the fake label put you off the Baldies because I got a secret to tell you. All award shows are fake. The Wire never won a primetime Emmy, despite being the best show on TV ever. Oscars picked Forrest Gump over both Pulp Fiction and Shawshank Redemption. Come on. It's it's kind of a shit show. Uh, but we thought it would be fun to do kind of a ranking of rankings. The the, the baldy of baldies uh, for these uh, prime baldy categories to see who is the ultimate baldy since uh, 2015. We're going to be considering the all-time baldy for best drama, comedy, uh, actor, and actress. Also, you can consider the release order of these movies as kind of a soft uh, uh, baldy meta ranking as well, because we're going to release them in reverse order of our personal preference. So Dunkirk is the fourth best baldy movie. Uh, and then as we go each week, you know, leading up to four weeks leading up to this, they'll they'll get uh, baldier and baldier. The other thing is we also have a bunch of new listeners that we get each year. Uh, so it's entirely possible that you have not heard. You know, if you've just been a, a fan for the last year or two, you certainly haven't heard the Dunkirk podcast, and it's going to be true for a lot of these as well. Uh, but if you have heard them, um, hey, maybe enjoy them again, or at least uh, maybe enjoy our little mega baldy uh, awards competition we got going on. Now, some of the year's winners are going to be in the prestige category. Some of them are going to be in pulp. So if you want to kind of follow all of the pre-baldy hype, uh, you you might, might want to check out both of those feeds uh, for the month of January. Also, I should say, uh, the Baldies are going to be coming out in February this year, and we'll be sending out a survey to get the People's Choice Baldies Awards. We've been doing that for the last few years. Uh, that's going to be coming out late in January. We're going to be asking you for each of our mega Baldy categories, too. Like, what is your favorite of the last five years? Uh, so keep on the lookout for that. Check out our Twitter feed, our forums, our housekeeping segments, if you want your voice represented in the 2020 Baldies. This week's category for mega Baldy debate, comedy. Oh, um, boy. Comedy is one of the weaker areas of the Baldies because I watch a lot of comedies, and I think, Jim, it's fair to say that you don't watch as many. Yeah, I um, don't watch a ton of them. So uh, let's let's go over the, the winners. Um, so in 2015, Rick and Morty Season 2 won the Baldy. In 2016, Atlanta Season 1 won it. 2017, Lady Dynamite Season 1 uh, took the nod. 2018, Atlanta uh, came back for season two and won another Baldy. 2019 Fleabag season two um, kind of came onto radar because I'd, I'd watched both seasons at one job, so it's kind of like a, a total. But yeah, that's a great season of Fleabag. Yeah. Um, what have you? What of, of this list? What have you and haven't you seen? I have only seen Rick and Morty season two and Fleabag season two. I haven't seen any of Atlanta or any of Lady Dynamite. Okay. Um, so what is? Uh, do you have a personal preference? And I, I guess this is another question for the Mega Baldies. We're talking about the particular season. Are we talking about the strength of show, or should we be a little bit more flexible in comedy? Because you know, I, I oh, that's that's a good question. Because um, like, yeah, when we're talking about seasons, of the leftovers, I know exactly which season is what and what happens in what season, all that sure, kind of stuff. Sure. But like Atlanta season one and two, like I know season. Two had the really kind of funny uh, Michael Jackson meta reference, and there was a really good plot about Paperboy getting 
chased into the the woods. Uh, uh, but I, yeah, it, it's a lot fuzzier. It's a lot fuzzier in his comedy stuff. Yeah, especially in the the stuff that doesn't have much of a through line, like Rick and Morty. Um, you know, it's got like that might have been the the Beth is a clone season, if I remember right. Um, or Beth Beth is or isn't a clone season? Is that okay? Because we're on the season four now, and they were so that, that, gotcha. I, yeah, okay. I thought we were on season three. Um, so I I couldn't even tell you what seasons two's uh meta through line was. Oh, it was that um. That was one where Rick has to sacrifice Surrenders himself. himself to the federal, yeah. yeah, the Federation, yeah. In the finale. Okay. Okay. I'm getting a clearer idea of that. Uh, it's a good question because, I, like, it didn't win for the entirety of the series, right? It won for the season. And right. not every season of a television show is as good as the rest of them. It's um, true. Even in the we're case talking of about, the leftovers or something like that, we're, we're talking about August Baldies, though. Maybe, maybe that's not the case. Although, I guess, yeah, if Game of Thrones won for like season four, right? <laughs> there's no way it would sweep the show, the overall show awards, right? Yeah. So I, I feel like we got to talk about the season specifically and compare those. Hmm. Fleabag is tough because it only has two seasons, and I kind of view them as like of a piece because I also did the same right. thing. I watched all of it, like back to yeah. back when season two came out so it's i know tough. season two is the hot priest season and that's which pretty sure. much crystallizes in it and i think season one was more of her coming to grips with the the guinea pig uh the cafe owner situation um but that also bleeds into the second season so yeah but but um oh actually i might not have watched that first season I might have watched only the you just second. Skipped season. right to the second. What the? I might have because I I remember some flashbacks of of that cafe stuff, but I don't remember the uh, the deal. Oh, it's all that. told in flashback. Yeah, it's all. It, it, it's, uh, oh, yeah, okay. yeah the, the whole structure is is all told in in flashback. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, if so, so just general impressions of uh, hot preseason of Fleabag versus um, uh, Rick and Morty season two. Uh, you got any like? Oh, it's tough because like when you think of Rick and Morty, you've got to think of everything that comes along with it. And unfortunately, yeah. part of that is just like a really shitty audience. Um, <laughs> and that kind of weighs it down for me. I, I think Rick and Morty back in 2015 was super hot. Right. And and right. you hadn't gotten that baggage yet. Whereas Fleabag mm. is it doesn't have any of that baggage it's it's it feels it feels lighter to me it feels like it that, that not having that baggage that just sort of floats it above rick and morty um yeah but i don't know that that's fair to the season right because that's right. like a meta judgment yeah and i don't like i was like i i i'm pretty i guess i float above most of the rick and morty drama uh, I know that there's like, you know, they didn't they behave badly about the Szechuan sauce and were cruel to McDonald's employees. And I imagine, you know, if someone sets out to idolize Rick Sanchez, you could be a real prick to people online and in real life. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm spoiled by having a great audience, so <laughs> it doesn't pollute, pollute my, my view of it. Um, True. There's a lot of great episodes here. The the Ricks must be crazy. That's where that Stephen Colbert. Okay. Uh, yep. You know, uh, duking it out over their microverse, competing microverses. Um, there was the, the get the get swifty uh, episode, the um, mimetic parasites that uh, 
would get in your head and, and infest your pleasant memories. Um, I remember that being really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing. It's like, ah, I, how, okay. Here's the other thing. All of these shows are so different. Like Rick right. and Morty is an animated show that's like, you know, says some important things about the human condition, but it's a lot more gonzo. Um, uh, Atlanta 1 and 2 are much more into dramedy. Like, they're funnier than, like, an Orange is the New Black, but there's entire episodes that I don't think you laugh at. Maybe you laugh once or twice, but it's more of just, like, the poignant impact of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Lady Dynamite is hilarious, but it's also very intensely about, like, being, you know, being a mentally ill person uh, that's famous and and dealing with all, all that stuff. Um, and a Fleabag, uh, I don't know, is she, that, that's, like, you know, that's, that's... I guess kind of in the line of Lady Dynamite where she's dealing with uh, emotional issues and depression and guilt and, yeah, you know. And it's also shitty, one of those shitty families. Not not always super funny, um, but, but a but lot of But when it is funny, it is. holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, and that's the same thing in Atlanta. Like, Atlanta will, like, bust your gut every couple episodes. Um, but they're, <laughs> you know, trying to do a little bit more with it. So, so yeah, if this is the best pure comedy, I got to say the thing, I, I want to go down to the thing yeah. that makes me laugh the hardest. And I kind of think of all these, Rick and Morty probably has the most laughs per minute. You're not wrong. I do find myself laughing more during Rick and Morty um, than I did during Fleabag, but Fleabag really hits me harder. Like, I'm, you know, I guess it does depend on, like, how are we judging this? Are we... It's the best comedy, and comedy means how many times I laugh or how hard I laugh, and that's it. Then, right. Yeah, probably Rick yeah. and Morty. But if, but if best comedy can also mean just like how good of a show is this? How how much did it make me uh, feel what the show was putting down while while being you know a comedy, a funny show? What's your funny bone say? Which is the the most important thing in the... Because I, I almost want to go like, it should be about the laughs, right? Because if it's about drama, then, you know, hell, let's put Atlanta in the drama or Fleabag in the drama and see how well it does, you know? Right. Which I don't know. And maybe that's, that's some of the, the, those shows... Uh, I would say uh, looking would, at this list, well. we have not done that for the last four years. <laughs> no. no <laughs> we uh-huh. certainly like Always Sunny gives me more laughs than... That's true. probably all of these put together. Um, well, right. I, I haven't seen a right. Lady Dynamite, but the other two put together. Um, but it doesn't make the list, right? Just because mm-hmm. it doesn't do all of the things that the other shows do. So I yeah, don't Fleabag's know. Only, it's, it's it's and also where it yeah, it's all the, about the seasons and like Fleabag season two was one of the best endings I've ever seen. And yes, um, like it was just emotionally arresting and effective. And like, oh, that's what's happening. Oh, uh-huh. you know. Um, and it felt like, and I, I know if you haven't seen the show, this is like completely perplexing, but like it does something kind of meta and it's, it does something meta and fourth wall throughout. That's like one of its hallmarks, but it uses that to the hilt in the final few moments of the show that provide, like, I've never felt like that kind of, uh, you know, feeling ending a show definitively ending a show that, that I had with the uh, flea bag. So, yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. know. We I'm, have to make a judgment, I guess. Are we are we going for the ha-has? Are we going for the whole package? Well, you know, the people can disagree because they'll have the the their say here in a couple weeks. But I kind of feel like it should come down to the ho ho ho. Okay. <laughs> None of these are Christmas shows. I don't know if you're aware of that. Uh, well, the Rick and Morty did have a Christmas episode, I believe. In well, then in Rick and Morty season two. Congratulations. 
Uh, okay, well, if we're talking about the ho ho ha ha's, then yeah, I, w- I would say Rick and Morty is consistently funnier than than Fleabag. Yeah. Oh God, I forgot that the Rick's must be crazy episode is also the one that's got the keep summer safe plot line. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I'm gonna car. fuck it. Fuck it. It's a fake award show. None of the points matter. I'm going Rick and Morty. Okay. I'm in agreement there. Yeah. Now right, you have the the unfortunate uh, dilemma of ranking Rick and Morty versus Atlanta and Lady Dynamite. And I'm just I'm just gonna sit back and watch. No man. I'm saying any, I'm going. I'm 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 going with the ha ha's, and I think Rick Morty has the, oh, the biggest the biggest and 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 most profound ha ha's of the whole thing. I'm I'm saying it's the wow. mega winner. All right. Done. Done. Uh, and if you don't like it, check out the like. Yes, <laughs> keep your eyes peeled on social media, the the housekeeping notes, and uh, I don't know, probably a, an email if I got your email. Uh, it, it, yeah, cool. keep, keep an eye out for the the People's Choice Baldies, Rick and Morty. Congratulations! Uh, I'll send the platinum uh, Picard out to Dan Harmon and Justin <laughs> Roiland, and we'll see what happens. Uh, but hey. Thanks for uh, listening to our little mini Baldies promo. And if you haven't seen or if you haven't heard our uh, thoughts on Dunkirk, uh, here it is. I guess this is also a, maybe a, a stealth bonus feature because this was a this was a premium only. Like if you wanted a oh, spoiler right. edition, first. Uh, so if you if you're not a club member, this is the first time you could you could hear this uh, podcast in all its glory. Uh, enjoy Dunkirk, and we'll see you next week for the next one. Hey everybody, we're back with another first round movie tonight. We saw Christopher Nolan's uh, war epic, uh, I guess you'd call it drama, uh, Dunkirk. Jim, uh, what'd you think of it? Uh, who? Well, it's a good war movie. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I, hmm, I struggle to call this a war movie. Like it takes it. It's definitely the subject a, a, a is war, film? but no, it. It feels more like gravity to me, honestly, mm. like in a disaster film. Kind of. It feels more like these people just in extreme circumstance that are you're trying to get them out of. Like I war movie usually to me entails a lot of fighting. Mm-hmm. This really doesn't have a ton of fighting. Hmm. And I I mean it it certainly takes place around a war. Yeah. <laughs> it was part of the war, but uh, I mean, this isn't the kind of movie you come out ten minutes later. Uh, talk about like uh, I'm almost resentful that I have to try. Like Ebert didn't have this shit. He didn't walk out of a movie theater and someone stick a microphone in his face ten minutes later. <laughs> That's true. He had he had time presumably to compose his thoughts and mm-hmm. think about it. Um, uh, I mean it's it's a great film. It made me uh, it, it's harrowing. Um, it's uh. It's it's really unflinching, um, and 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 it shows and showing some of the best and worst of humanity. Um, I, I I found my heart swelling with secondhand patriotism. Two mm-hmm. three sizes too big toward towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know it's um, it's it's a uh, Christopher Nolan is just um, I don't know. I like I said I'm I'm really having trouble really having trouble saying anything <laughs> other than. It's uh it's an excellent movie and it's 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 a very arresting movie. I think this is the first uh this is the first kind of reaction I've had like this where it's like it's undeniably a great movie, but like as far as breaking down the details and you know going beat by beat and you know it's it's just you know it's could be more different than fucking Spider Man. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah. I don't know how to kind of talk about it in non spoilery terms for very long. 
It's not um, as blo- okay. I mean, there's a couple things. It's not as bloody as I thought it would be. Right, because there's not a lot of fighting, like I said. <laughs> there's not. I mean, it's not that there's not a lot of fighting. It's a lot of fighting is like shipped to, to yeah. aircraft, aircraft to aircraft, aircraft to ground. I mean, whereas I, I feel like early in the movie there is a you know this isn't this isn't a spoiler, uh, but the poor men on the beach of Dunkirk get the shit bombed out of them by right. by Nazis. Uh, and there's one scene early on where from one of the, you know, we, you follow a half dozen men throughout this, 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 um, you know, retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a scene where the, 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 the Emmy 101, I guess, um, is dropping bombs on this line of dudes. And um, there's like one guy in the foreground that gets exploded. And like, I feel like in uh, a Steven Spielberg film, you would have like just seen like body parts raining and he'd just blow apart like this saving private Ryan. Like in this movie, he just is gone. Mm-hmm. It's like pfft, you see him, you see his body exit the frame and this, you like, there's, there's very little, very little blood. There's more oil than blood in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not to say it's not violent. It's extremely violent. And yeah. it, it, the, the first two thirds of this movie is just a pressure cooker. That's almost oppressive. Yeah. It's and, gravity and, like. and designed to be that way. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, um, I, I figured that uh, what's her face would make it out of gravity. Uh-huh. Like I, I was, I, I, I honestly, you know, I exposed my ignorance to Dunkirk because when I first saw the the teaser for it, I thought it was a World War One film. So mm-hmm. like I don't, I and, I and I decided like you know people are like oh you fucking idiot it's it's World War Two it's this famous uh, you know kind of last stand to to get these people evacuated and I'm like okay well. Since I'm going into this blind, I'm just going to continue to go in blind. So I honestly didn't know. Like, I, um, mm-hmm. on in the first act, on the table was like all 300,000 of these guys is getting obliterated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what would that do? But so I was, yeah, I, w- I was really, um, I, I thought the first half, uh, the whole movie kind of shook me up. I, I'm still kind of <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, honestly. I can tell. Yeah. I can tell. Uh, I don't know. I think they they do a really good job setting it up. And some, I, some, sometimes empathy is a bitch, is what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Like I just can't help but put myself in everyone's place, and it's just like shit. Fuck that. No, fuck all this. Yeah, like, sure. Um, so anyway, what are you gonna say? <laughs> I feel like they do a really good job setting up the scenario, so that even people who don't know anything about Dunkirk uh, can kind of get into into the the scenario yeah. right away yeah and i count myself among those i know nothing about dunkirk and that's the thing like it, going it, in is is this is this uh was this going to hold up to historical scrutiny is it supposed to like right. why why did nolan feel like he needed to make this film at this date mm-hmm. uh, this juncture in in time like what and, and, and he's trying and, to outdo stanley kubrick i don't know if it's gonna work man <laughs> um <laughs> do you did you anything about like why he chose this as a no, subject or i have no idea um I mean, it's like it felt a lot like um, a more visceral version of listening to Dan Carlin's uh, Countdown to Armageddon. Yeah, if he had done like a Dunkirk. Right, uh, right. Where it's just like how, you, you know, you have these in, you, you have these individual human beings that are in the fucking jaws of this threshing machine. Mm-hmm. And it's completely and, and it, it's so you, you talk about like it's an unusual war film because most war films are, are films of volition like men are storming off a boat into gunfire and men are yeah. saving other men and men are charging into the jungle this is almost like a a war film about enduring like what is it like mm-hmm. to be packed 
12 dudes deep along a mile pier and to see dive bombers coming and know that there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. It's it's a flip of the coin about whether you're going to live or die in this here moment. And that is uh that that's um a, a different t- I guess a different glimpse of, of of war, a different type of war film that I've never seen before. Yeah. Yeah, it is somewhat unique. Um I don't I, I want to talk more about this, but I feel like it's all going to get pretty spoilery. Pretty yeah, quickly. and I just, like I said, I don't, you know, I, I don't even know, I don't know how much I'm going to have to say in the spoiler section, to be honest. But um, okay. uh, it's 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 uh, it's something else. It's something else. <laughs> yeah, I think definitely you should go see it. Um, I wonder the theater cause, cause, was pretty packed, which was yes, nice to see. yes, it was. It was yeah. a you know a, a kind of a capacity show. I. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I wonder what is it is it is it a different effect to watch this as a a a British person? Oh, I imagine it has to be because like yeah. I was just completely and I don't know. Like I've I've never really thought about this, but like, what's it like to be an Eng, an Englishman to and watch like Saving Private Ryan or Platoon or right? You know, um, I I just that that's one of the things I was wondering. Like what what. Uh, you, and that's the other thing is like I've I how many American films have been have, have there been made about British? Oh, that's like, a good question. War, war I mean, was I that uh, what was that one? I don't see a lot of them. Was that one of Michael Caine uh, Zulu? Like oh, Zulu, yeah, that yeah. was that's had to be uh-huh. an English film, right? Probably. Um, so I don't know. Is Christopher Nolan English? He, he's American, right? I think so. Yeah. I don't, uh, it's um, but yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's a great film. We should move on. So maybe we should get over the trailers. Um, we started off with what I think looks like an awesome movie. I'm super excited about it. Blade Runner 2049. Yes. I, I can't remember if you talked about this one last time, if no, you saw the trailer. Okay. I've never seen this trailer before. I know it came out, but I'm not like, unless it's like a a superhero movie or something like that, or a Star Wars movie, I very rarely watch it on YouTube because yeah. I know... I'm going to see these things a billion times in a the theater because I'm seeing movies all the time anyway. Yep. So like, and I I prefer to see it on a big screen, and and also it's it's the best way to avoid spoilers. Just stay off the sites and um. But <laughs> right. but yeah, I thought I thought that it was incredible. I had no idea Ryan Gosling was in it. Uh, neither did I. Um, I had no idea Robin Wright was in it mm-hmm. as some kind of a future leader. Yeah, uh, you've got a whole bunch of big stars, uh, people I really enjoy watching, in a movie that looks awesome. I, I mean, it looks like a million bucks. I, at one point, I saw the Atari logo on the side of a building, Did which you? I was like, oh, hell yeah, let's do this. If we're going full 80s dystopia, let's yeah. do it. I mean, the um, it, the, the film, I mean, I, I don't know how many times you've seen Blade Runner, but it's got a, a very few. distinctive future kind of feel, yeah. and it's it, it this does feel like it is of a piece with that. Very much so, yeah. Um, um, I I guess, my, my guess, because you... You know, there's like a controversy about whether Deckard himself was a, a replicant, mm-hmm. um, and I know that Ridley Scott has a definitive opinion on that, and oh, it yeah? seems like he's running with it because, like, from what I gather, the trailer is like, yes, that Harrison Ford has been a replicant and he's been off in some kind of wasteland, hiding out from people like himself, the, the wasteland the of California, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but you know, so so I was like, there's, I I don't know, because I always felt that was kind of, I don't know, I not to argue with uh, the the fucking gentleman about his own film, but mm-hmm. I always thought that. Uh, I don't know. I, I never liked the fact that he waded in and said, "Oh no, no, you guys have all been you guys have been fucking around 
uh, thinking the wrong thing about a movie. He's definitely a robot. Um, but that's, that's just, so I, I don't know. Like, it, it looks great. I'm very interested in it. Um, certainly looks like a first round bald movie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a, another one called Logan Lucky, which I know you talked about. That's the one previously. I talked about with with uh, Magic Mike, Kylo yeah. Ren, and James Bond. What did you make? I mean, did you, did you see what I, I was saying about it? Like, it's really weird. It is. Yeah, I don't know about this one. <laughs> like, I, I get Daniel Craig needs to do something after James Bond to say, hey, I'm not just James Bond right. to us Americans. Uh, but I don't know about this. This was a real weird looking one. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I, maybe it could be good, but my, my, it's a comedy. We're probably not going to see it. Not only that, it's like a I don't know. It's like a caper. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's like it does feel like a redneck Ocean's Eleven. It does, but that's as elevator pitches go. That's me hitting the button to keep keep going up. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not staying on this floor. Another uh, one that I'm not 100 percent sold on, but it looked like it could be cool. Which I, I'm going to say. Maybe a worse name than the Bye Bye Man, which was my like contender for the year of worst movie name. Uh, the Snowman. The Snowman. Snowman is a pretty bad name, but it looks like it might be a cool movie. I don't know. <sighs> I can't tell. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it's one of these Bone Collector style right. with with Michael Fassbender in the uh, you know in in the the the, the head police investigator role. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is such a silly concept, a guy dismembering women and building snowmen out of them. Snow women. <laughs> right. Sorry. It, it's ridiculous. I, I do like that. I assume it takes place in like Alaska or something, right? Maybe. Somewhere obviously super cold. It, it, it looks like a really fucked up acid trip Fargo because, yeah, yeah. it's got all yeah. that, you know, snow. I don't I don't know. It's the only place a, a killer like the snowman could possibly do his deeds. Spoiler: It's it actually takes place in Miami. Right. <laughs> you don't you don't get the snowman in Miami. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Looks kind of cool. I, it, it, is it cool or is it almost like it almost looks like one of those movies that's in so bad it might be good. Uh. I don't know. I think it's borderline good bad. I mean, like, the opening, the opening of the trailer. I like those kind of things, though. I'm not, I'm okay. not looking for like the highest art form in my horror. Sure, sure. I want some cool kills. I want some some good moments. That's it. I just was like, you know, the opening scene where this guy stalk, like stalks a woman. He th- hits her with a snowball. Uh huh. Like that just feels like. It, it felt it like does. I was watching the parody version, you know, like epic movie, like the snowman, but like, like yeah. as a response to the snowman who was, would try to take itself seriously. But mm-hmm. like that scene, I'm like, who the fuck throws a snowball? Yeah. And then it got uh, seemingly a lot more serious mm-hmm. throughout the thing. Like Fastbender's doing his thing. I don't know. Uh, what'd you make of Only the Brave about the fire jumpers? Uh, oh, I I just assumed I missed the title card. I assumed that was called Hot Shots because they said Hot Shots like five hundred times in that trailer. Mm, I missed the title card too. I had to d- d- frantically read it from the things <laughs> flashing by at the end. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's Only the Brave. It opens with a bear on fire. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, it's Josh Brolin, it's a CG bear, obviously. It's, it's, it's Josh Brolin playing, you know, the, I, I don't know what the setup is. A small town been trying to get fired, like certified hotshot fire jumpers and yeah. some bullshit federal regulation says they're not good enough. And then fire comes there. I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's kind of like a little, like I'm more interested in, in than the oil Derek movie, which I guess that came out. And it must have been like a wet turd because, or wet fart. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, mad, or most turds, you don't want dry turds. No, well, I don't want wet, wet ones either. Wet, really? No, I what, really just don't want to avoid looking, turds at all costs. You're, you're, look, 
<laughs> oh, I'm talking about when they're coming out, like when they're inevitable. Oh, oh, okay. Like when you're packed yeah. shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of men, sure. do you want them wet or do you want them dry? Uh, it's a wet for I, I, I don't know. Like it's this so many men. Too much of like Kevin Costner training a bunch of yeah. boys to run real fast. Yeah, I watched that movie on a plane. Yeah, we'll see. Because I've always thought on a plane. I've always thought that it's an interesting. I, I think this is a worthy subject to do a movie on. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if this is that movie. Um, but uh, then I think that's it because there's a there's a Star Wars trailer we've seen a million and there's times it before. and it uh, we, we talked about a million times Kingsman we've, we've Kingsman, talked about all those. talked about a million times yeah yep. did you ever see have you seen the first King, Kingsman yet no okay uh well that's it that's it for the trailers yep. um so we actually will be back next week for Atomic Blonde we will uh hopefully I'll have recovered from my my war movie trauma yeah. by then so I can like you know cuz it's going to yeah that's the other thing is like every single time I watch a serious war film I get jaded about violence hmm. which doesn't bode well for Game of Thrones or Atomic Blonde or it's like woohoo look at people dying it's so fun it's so cool oh boy this like, should be you know a great Game of Thrones season that's what I'm saying like yeah in 3 days I'm going to get to watch goddamn evil warfare and it's going to be fun but anyway yeah, yeah. All right, let's do the spoiler thing. Uh, I have a few things to talk about. I don't imagine this is going to be a very long spoiler section. Did Tom Hardy we'll have a bet with his agent that he could show less of his face than he did in <laughs> Bane as Bane? Because he was yeah. essentially he was essentially Bane in a Spitfire. He was, yeah. Even a little bit of the the vocal inflections. Mm-hmm. He's on me. I'm on him. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I don't have much funny to say about this movie. <laughs> yeah, there's not a ton of funny stuff. What do you think about the interleaving storylines? So I found it very distracting the first act. I'm like, Jesus Christ, yep. Christopher Nolan, can you just fucking tell a linear storyline? Mm-hmm. But by the third act, I was smacking myself um, because I felt like it was perfectly paced so all the storylines converged for the maximum emotional impact. Um, so I'm actually, I think it's the story and I, I wouldn't, if you'd asked me this an hour into the movie, I would have denied it. But I, I think that, uh, the nonlinear narrative of the, the different phases of this evacuation and the different, the different, uh, you know, the combined arms nature of the, the Navy and the air force and mm-hmm. the, uh, and, and the army, uh, all coming together, um, and, and the civilian brigade, my God, the civilian brigade, that stuff all it had to be told this way or it would have been a very uneven, poorly paced film. Yeah, it does have to come to like a crescendo at the end. And I think um, when it first started, I was very distracted like you were. Um, I actually was actively disliking yeah. watching the same footage from a different angle mm-hmm. um, when it was like in three or four minute chunks. Mm-hmm. But once it got to like, here's a minute of this, here's a minute of this, here's a minute of that, uh, I felt like it all came together really, really well and and led up to just a brilliant third act. And I thought that the... I'm actually I was I was kind of also worried that they they clearly had a stopwatch motif that was such a big part of the trailer and they continued that through the movie and mm-hmm. I was skeptical about that but by the end like it boy it really uh it's it, it's really a pulse pounder yeah I mean, it served to really heighten the tension yeah um, knowing that there's a clock on this for everybody you yeah, know? yeah yeah the Germans are closing in the the <laughs> gas is running out right uh fuel it, petrol whatever they're using and it had me questioning a lot about like 
you know, because you, you can't help but watch a movie like Saving Private Ryan and figure and, and ask, you know, would you be would you get off the boat if the it was being hammered by machine gun fire? Would you uh-huh. uh, face a, a Panzer tank with a fucking uh, you know sock full of forty five? Yeah. Uh, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what? But this movie had me asking, like, you know, what would I be willing to do to survive? Because mm-hmm. a lot of that was just like these guys just want to get the hell out of this beach. Yeah. Um, and like people are forming orderly lines and other people are like looking at those orderly lines like fuck that but mm-hmm. like there was a little bit of like a weird karma thing that the it's like almost like when the guys who I guess they're painted as not not exactly cowardly or craven um, mm-hmm. but you know they're 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 abusing they're, they're, they're essentially trying to scam their way off of this thing early yeah. like when they finally just kind of accept their fate that's when they get salvation mm-hmm. um, I don't know like what kind of moral that is. I don't know how like accurate that is, but I was thinking like, geez, you know, would I be willing to dig, you know, dig up some dude and steal his uniform and pass as an Englishman if I'm a Frenchman to get the hell out of here or. Right. Yeah. I didn't feel like the movie was trying to, uh, you know, cast aspersions against the people who were doing the things they felt necessary it really to, didn't. to get off the beach. Almost to, to the point where I was questioning when, like the civilians, there's the, the civilian boat with the dad and his uh, son and his son's friend. Yeah. I was questioning how, like, they were so cool and understanding about Cillian Murphy just losing his shit. And uh-huh. he kills a guy. Yeah. He kills their friend. Kills a kid. Yeah. Uh, kills a kid, a 17-year-old. Um and but they were like but but then and then you find out like it just bits and pieces like i figured that they're going to reveal that this guy this guy was like a world war one vet or something but no uh-huh. his son was in the royal air force and he had died already in the war before england had even entered the war um and uh so that made the fact that they were a little bit more understanding about um this craziness going on uh, yeah i didn't like i said i don't after I saw the whole, I had a lot of problems in the midpoint in this film, but by the time I saw the end, like I felt like none of the problems were worth talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I kind of expected, I guess, more waves of salvation here, <laughs> like uh-huh. more waves of boats coming in and pulling people off. But really it's a small story, you know, yes. for, for the number of people who are on that beach, it's a very small story. Right. Uh, we deal with maybe 20, 30 people tops. Right. Um, directly. Yeah. I mean, the, the final boat of, of that, that captain you were talking about earlier is probably full of like 60 people, Uh but that's the max that we, you know, really get to know in any kind of way. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that surprised me a little bit, but I feel like the movie was well served by that. Yeah. It's also short. Like, I don't think the movie is even two hours long. Not quite. No. Uh, hour 46. I mean, I, I, I think I knew that on some level going in because I think I've expressed, I was... I was, I guess, expecting like a two hour and 45 minute, like true epic. Yeah. But there is, and but I'm, I'm glad it's not because this thing told the story it meant to do. There's not an ounce of fat on its bones. Mm-hmm. There's not really a single wasted frame. Like even, I guess I never, I never got fed up with the multi- different angle because I felt like I was getting new information each time. Like, yeah. I, and I thought what was really cool was like, uh, seeing Tom Hardy thing when his 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 uh, wingman <laughs> ditched and he's waving, he thinks everything's good, and then you find out this guy fought for his fucking life. Yeah, and then Tom Hardy and his his selfless heroism later in the movie saves that guy mm-hmm. without even knowing it. Right, and then gets captured as a German POW, and that's probably not fun. But like no. you know, the guy fought, and then I got thought it was like that was like such a there's very 
few cool move, uh, moments in this film, but when he shot that Nazi ass guy dead stick, yeah, that was in incredible. And if it wasn't uh-huh. for that, um, like the movie would have almost no lightness at all. Um, mm-hmm. But that segs right into the men going home, yep. and they're afraid. Like you know, this is an era when. Uh, you know, you 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 come home after ignominious defeat, and you know they're like worried about people spitting on them, and like everyone's buying them beers, and uh, they got this brilliant, you know, one of the most you know moving national rah rah speeches. Uh, um, uh, Churchill's famous, you know, we'll fight them on the beaches, and we'll fight them on the waterfront. His Doctor Seuss speech, it all just rhymes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's like he's got our fucking way with words, and I found it yeah, genuine, yeah. like like building from that Tom Hardy moment. And he's like the most obvious hero throughout the whole film. Right. Most action hero. He guy of the whole film. Um, I thought was just, was, was just a, was just a brilliant touch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. What, what about how much? Uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was gonna say, I'm a little bit. Well, I don't know if I'm confused, but I think it, it's an interesting look at kind of different angles of this to see the guy at the end who, you know, there's this old man, blind man, we find out, who is handing out blankets. And the first guy walks past him. He won't even look at him. Uh, he's like, all we did is survive. And the second guy comes up, finds out he's blind. And then they get on the train. And that guy, that, that first guy says, a guy couldn't even look us in the eyes. Right. Uh, and the other guy's asleep. So he can't tell him, hey, actually, he was blind. Right. Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out the purpose of that. And to me, it seemed like it was just trying to show us the different types of people who might be coming home. Right. And the different perspectives they have on on things. Right. Um, and then, you know, once he sees kind of the welcome that they're getting and the, the feeling back home, I think he he sort of understands. Yeah. But yeah. Um, in that moment, it felt very much like he, he was worried. Um, he was angry almost, like at himself um, and at his country for not coming to bail them out sooner, like all kinds of stuff. Right. I think that was mostly, and it, it, there was a lot of that going. End. Like this infantryman, like they see the the Royal Air Force guy who yeah. got shot out of the sky, blowing up Nazis. Like, where the hell were you? And you can see he's deflated a little bit, but you know the the captain's quick, like, hey, the men on this boat know where you were because yeah. It, there's a lot of that, like weird kind of circular firing squad, which I was. I mean, I, I hmm, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure why that was in the movie. Yeah. Like I, I understand like the 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 men thinking that they were going to be treated as like these cat these these craven retreaters, that was uplifting, but like, you know, the the digs at the Air Force were uh felt like it was just punching down, you know? Like, dude, do you not see this guy's uniform covered in oil and he's dripping wet? Like, how do you think he right. fucking got how do you think he fucking <laughs> got here? Yeah. You think he pulled up in his Corvette and was like, "Hey, uh, you know, cheerio, chaps." Right. Uh, I've been pounding, pounding your women while you've been away. Like, come on. I like, think it was to make that ending not too sweet, right? Because yeah, it's I, still a bitter thing. It's is it is is there an argument to be made that the movie couldn't be too sweet in the last five or ten minutes? Potentially. <laughs> uh, I don't like. I got like, yeah, like it's because it was a whole lot of eleven till you got to the lightness at the end, right? Um, how much I mean I wish I knew more about the production of film because I the 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 dog fights like 
you could have told me that they actually had, you know, replica Supermarine Spitfires, and I would fucking believe it. Yeah. I have an interesting relationship with this aircraft because um, I was really into RC airplanes mm-hmm. back about 15 years ago. And one of my the final things I did um, is I built a, I think, a, a, I don't know, the real Spitfire is a 36 foot wingspan of mine had a four foot. I, so what is that? Like a one twelfth replica or what? But I, I built a yeah. replica and I, and I did it all from just, I didn't use a plan. I actually did research and like, you know, uh, different plan views of it to lay it out and can carefully construct it. And, and I built it and like, you know, it's, it's, it's famed for having like the, the weird parabolic wing shape and mm-hmm. for having this extremely, and I was gratified. I didn't mean to do this, but, um, but the particular like prop pitch that I used and the particular electric motor and the construction of it being primarily out of this rigid foam, like when I fired it up, it actually in the air made like a, a like a fairly good convincing. <laughs> it, it just it had this harmonic with the airframe. And uh-huh. I just laughed out loud when it first passed me because it sounded like a fucking fit Spitfire, <laughs> and it was really cool. And so I know a lot about these aircraft, and I was like, I I honestly couldn't tell whether they're CG or. They 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 have a few. Of, I know they have a few of those flying. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of that stuff was actually real footage? How much of that stuff was you know just Tom Hardy in a CGI cockpit? Um, because I couldn't tell. I I there, I'm sure a lot of this film was CG, but man, it's getting to the point where you just you just really can't tell. Yeah, the the plane scenes were outstanding. Yeah, um, I thought those were some of the most engaging scenes of the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, and I learned something new about the Spitfire. They had those nifty little like optical holographic gun sights. Mm-hmm. That was like, I, the more you find out about World War II technology, the more you like kind of think that we just been sitting on our ass. <laughs> like we we invented cell phones and like woohoo, we did it. Like these fuckers are putting holographic gun sights and they invented jet technology and it went to the moon and we made cell phones and that's yeah. cool. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I know cu- that's a couple other things. I, I well, there's, but yeah, yeah there's, there's been other advancements. A little but like, reductive. You, you think because like, my son's always acting like you know I was I I lived in the Stone Age, uh-huh. right? But like it's just a, it it's amazing like when the modern age kind of begun, and I guess it kind of around World War One, I, I guess, is when hmm. things started like stopped being uh you know fucking Snoopy and the Red Baron and started being modern towards the end of that conflict. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed the technical aspects of it too. Like everything just looked utterly convincing. Did. Uh what else do we want to talk about, man? I don't have a ton more to say about it. I do think it was a really, really good movie. Uh I enjoyed it. It's too bad I I the other thing I guess um George the character that dies mm-hmm. Is he the only character, the ma- only main character that dies in the whole film? Uh, I main character. I don't know. I mean, how do you define main character? Right. right? Uh, that that one guy drowns in the the boat, the right. the beached boat. It's Kenneth. It, it's, it's Kenneth Branagh. He's a he's he's a he's a main character. Did you recognize uh, the the young colonel? I did, but he was, I don't know. He's Lieutenant Pullings from uh, I think it's James Darcy, and it, but maybe that's wrong. But I, he that was definitely Lieutenant Pullings from the Master and Commander film we just watched. Lieutenant Pullings. Lieutenant Pullings. Hmm, I don't remember. Lieutenant Pullings, I should say. Yeah, uh, I don't remember which one he was. He was the guy in the brown uniform that was couldn't. That, that I get. That was the one. That was the one I got a grim laugh out of when the colonel was lecturing the I guess admiral. 
about the tides. Like, don't they come in every three hours? Or he's mm-hmm. like, come in at six. I thought they came in at three. He's like, well, it's a good thing you're the army and I'm the navy then. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I get back to George. Mm-hmm. George was kind of a nothing character. Like he was a, almost an emotional MacGuffin. Like he was there. He was. Yeah. His death only served the purpose to put conflict uh, in the boat, the moon, the moonshine, or whatever the hell it was called, mm-hmm. the moonbeam, moon, moonraker, uh, moon, moonraker. Yep. Yeah, it's <laughs> moonraker. It. Uh, and I, I thought that was an odd choice to have uh-huh. someone just entire his death to be just a launching pad for. You know how you feel about trauma. You know people that have been traumatized, and there was also an odd moment at the end where uh, Cillian Murphy kind of looked back, and you're like, "Is he going to take responsibility for what he did?" And then he just turns his back and bleeds into the crowd, and that was an odd yeah. moment. That's the thing. Like, I, I need to see this movie more often because there's a lot of beats where I, I, I didn't, I didn't quite understand, especially the early goings when mm-hmm. I was still struggling with the time jumps and the time frames. Right, right. Yeah, uh, I think that might be the point, though. Um, you come away from it like there isn't a single thing that comes out of this, right? Yeah. Like n- not everybody went home happy. Not everybody went home sad. Yeah. Um, everybody had a different experience with it. And I think he's trying to reflect a little bit of that in the movie. Right. And this is just like, this is all the prologue of a bigger movie, right? Because <laughs> like they, they made that point, like that was a low key point in. It's like, yeah, our asses are saved, but now we have to defend our island from the Germans. Yeah. Who are going to start terror bombing the shit out of us? And I, I you know, that's the other thing is like, um, I, I think the British people are are culturally kind of incredible. Um, mm-hmm. The whole, you know, I, I can't remember what movie we talked about, but there, I, I recently made mention of there the fact that you compare and contrast how we in the 21st century have behaved when we are attacked by an enemy versus the way. Uh, Englishmen and women responded to being terror bombed and fire bombed by the Nazis. And uh, you can't help but find our guests, uh, our, our generation wanting mm-hmm. in a lot of respects. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's the fact that these guys escaped, got by the skin of their teeth and then they instantly have to go on to defense. Yeah. Uh, there's a certain resiliency uh, yeah. in that, in that country that I see and it reflected at least in cinema. And I need to see, cause I need to, I, I want to now just dive into this. Cause I'd, I'd like to know like, how long was it from like <laughs> Dunkirk until like Pearl Harbor and United States entering the war? And like, uh-huh. how long were they just kind of like, they were, it was their Island versus like all of occupied Europe. Like Jesus Christ, right. that's some grim, grim odds, grim, grim shit. How do you, how do you maintain your composure? How do you maintain your national fortitude in those, in those kind of odds? Yeah. And I mean, it, it's extremely touching to see, you know, the people, the civilians right. coming to the rescue of the people who are trying to defend them. Right. You know? Yeah. And the other thing is like, it also, like I was thinking like towards the second and third act, like you, you think of like the, uh, the ugly American stereotype of like the, like we had to come over there and save your asses and WW2, you know? And mm-hmm. like, how like fucking hollow that is in the face of like what the, you know, what they had to go through. Like that's easy right. to say across an entire ocean where you never uh, other, other than Pearl Harbor, but yeah. you still had a whole ocean between you and the enemy. <laughs> right. Like it's easy to make stuff like that when your, your, your home soil was, was, was never, was never bombed to the extent that it was. Yeah. It was never in jeopardy. Right. Yeah. It was a whole different feel. It's a whole different feel. Like when you're like you're helping your buddy, you know, like if your buddy's house is on fire and you're trying to help him out, like it's a whole different 
experience than your buddy whose house is on fire. Right. You know? <laughs> um, and I felt like that, uh, I don't know. I, it, I, I'm curious to see how this does like commercially, too. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it was a packed house uh, speaks well of it. But... I was a little surprised by that, honestly. Yeah. I, I thought this was going to be a little slimmer. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I haven't heard an enormous amount of buzz mm-hmm. about this. Um, I, I, It's weird because I haven't watched... Um, it's been like um, six weeks since I've actually watched television. Six weeks? Yeah, because like all of the TV, like all of the TV watching I did in the the, the height was all like on apps. I was using HBO Go. Oh yeah, I was using yeah. FX Now. I was right. using AMC's thing to, to watch this stuff because um, it was it was much more convenient, mm. and I was getting weird ass commercials for <laughs> fucking uh, Jägermeister. Uh-huh. And tin cup whiskey and, and tin cup whiskey and Muvantix and shit uh-huh. like that. So I I don't really have a pulse of like what like if, if Dunkirk had this massive advertising campaign. But you know uh, that was like because we talked about that with the master and commander is conventional wisdom that like uh, you know one of the reasons it didn't do so well is because it's about English be you know it's, mm-hmm. it's about this, this British war and that they changed the subject matter so they weren't at war with America because oh my god what would Americans think? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wonder how well it'll do in the states. Yeah, I don't know. I don't uh, and then, that. like, See. you know, it's like I can't imagine, like, because the, the, the other thing is, like, with the, the box offices more and more, they talk about the global and they're talking about, you know, Asia and India and, like, do what what will they think about it? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because it's. Yeah, what appeal would it have over there? I, I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it's not dialogue heavy. That's true. Like, in yeah. fact, there's like the first five or 10 minutes of the movie, the only thing said is by French Frenchmen. Yeah, but they had even less involvement than we did yeah. uh, from like a, a just war perspective. Right. Cause, cause you know, as much as this is obviously far more about the British than it is about America, but America right. was at least part of that war. Right. Uh, to a large extent. So I don't know if you take it over to India or right. somewhere. Well, China was, I mean, I know this from access and allies, the board yeah. game, they were on our side. Yeah, uh, against the Japanese, so maybe it'll 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 it'll, it'll and you know maybe it's China, it is yeah. I don't I don't think you have to, uh, you know Transformers kind of bombed over in China, so it's like it's I, I felt I feel like for Hollywood is kind of like ah whatever as long as it's got explosions you can shovel over there and they'll swallow everything. I mean maybe they're <laughs> right. maybe that's selling the international audiences short perhaps probably yeah uh, maybe uh, I, I'm I'm just very curious. I have no idea like what a film like this will do because it's not like mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't want to instantly jump in and see this movie again. Yeah, it's not like a Spider Man or a Star Wars where you might see it three times in a season and you know that that's got to help. I don't I don't know. I wonder if it's it. The success of it, as far as, you know, filling our theater, at least, uh, is partially due to Christopher Nolan. Like, could right. it just be his rep is so good that people will see basically anything he does now? Right. Because he's like, he's, I don't think he's made a bad film. And they're always yeah. very, they're always visually arresting to look at. And they're also um, thought provoking and they're challenging because they're always doing something weird with time and your audience perspective. Right. And, and I, that's the thing is like, I started rolling my eyes like, geez, this is, this is getting a little bit of M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan <laughs> yeah. uh, on us with this one trick pony. But by God, it's a really good trick and he plays it very well in this movie. Well, you know why Tom Hardy was writing down all those numbers, right? He lost his memory. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he had to write across his cockpit. I was thinking he was keeping track of where the scene breaks were and he's like, you know, with the script and like, oh, what point in, you know, what, what point in time are we? I got 15 minutes. I don't know. 
Yeah, that's the thing. So like, I'd, it's like the mole was one week, and like the civilian thing was like one day. Yeah, I didn't understand that at and all. And then the Air Force was one hour. So I guess everything that you saw from the guy wiping his ass with the Nazi were you're you're so fucked propaganda. Okay. Uh, to him getting off the boat or onto the boat in a way was exactly a week. Okay. And that the civilian gotcha. forces was exactly a day, and then Tom Hardy's point was exactly one hour of the movie mm-hmm. and they all converged at the end so right. that was cool that was cool also like the german bombers make a surprisingly good vi- villain yeah like they did they felt the sound like, of them yeah and they're yeah. menacing and they got this black you know kind of like mantis shadow and like mm-hmm. when you see it coming for these civilian crafts by you you motherfucker you motherfucker <laughs> shoot him down tom Hart. you know it's like it's um yeah. With a film where you never see, like, I, I think you see two Germans, are like, like taking Tom Hardy uh, mm-hmm. prisoner at the end after he destroys the Spitfire. Uh, you never see the enemy. Yeah. So, like, it's a good thing the aircraft are fucking menacing. Yeah. Uh, because uh, the, you, you could tell that, you like, it was, I, I, I didn't ha- have a, I didn't have a hard time at all keeping track, even at a distance, like, which aircraft is which. And yeah. Very distinctive and uh, looking and, and feeling, feel, feeling stuff. And, yeah, just. It's a great the, movie. The other thing about those aircraft scenes, like that that final one where he loses his engines, right? Yeah. Or he runs out of gas, which right. effectively loses his engines. It, it's so surreal to see the plane going overhead with no sound. Yeah. After they beat into your head, like the sound of right. these Rolls, Rolls Royce engines and how sweet they are. And, and there were just, a lot of moments like that. And they do this a lot in war films. This I, is not unique, but I, I, just like surreal things yeah. that you see during war. Yeah. Yeah. Like because things are so extreme, it's right. like this once in a lifetime thing that you see. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like those. I thought that the scale, like I surely that those weren't actual men on the beaches when you see some of these panoramic shots, but like, yeah. you know, uh, they're, they're reusing the, the fuck. What are they? Not elves. The, the Oh yeah. The orcs, the, the orcs. Lord yeah. The Lord they got wet as masses. They do. Yeah. They just put out. helmets on them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, 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 I assume this was all filmed at Dunkirk. Um, but then again, like know. how would you, it seemed like that, um, you might cause an environmental catastrophe if you actually filmed this at an actual beach. Yeah. Because, uh, and now the other thing is I was thinking like, how many Spitfires do you think are at the bottom of the English Channel? Quite Cause, a cause few. Because not as this, but the Battle of Britain mm-hmm. and all the air and, and how many ships are sunk. Like there just must be thousands of them, right? I assume so. Yeah. Well, that's, Hundreds at least. That's like another thing that like, you know, I can't relate to as like just I guess, you know, you can go to like Gettysburg, you can go to Antietam and you can see these places where tens of thousands of Americans died in American soil. But, yeah. you know, you know, you're not going to see you're not going to see like crashed military aircraft or right. you're not going to be in backyard of Kansas and see a, some kind of, you know, Messerschmitt fighter or something that some dude found. Yeah. It's <laughs> or and, landscape but, that is just moonlight. Yeah. Right. Still. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, fuck, I forget the, the French name Verdun. Yeah. yeah. Like, holy shit. Go there. Uh-huh. That, that looks like it came out of the war yesterday. Does it really? I'm as far seen, as I understand, I haven't yeah. seen any like present day photos of it. I imagine so. There's so much unexploded ordinance that pe- it's like a no man zone. I think still. so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, I could be totally wrong about that. But uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm gonna fact check it because right. I'm, I'm fascinated by all this stuff, and I'm just thinking like it's such a shot. Like I have people like actually recovered all those wrecks, and are they in museums somewhere? And, right. 
Like, uh, well, my favorite World Warcraft is the P-38, and I think there's not very many flying, but the one I've seen that's come to the, all the air shows in the Midwest was literally something that w- wrecked up in the Arctic Circle, and it was like like Captain America-style frozen, huh. and they hauled it out, and they fixed it up, and it's like one, like one of the only original airframes for the P-38 to still flying. Yeah, but I was just thinking about all that. So how many shipwrecks and how many planes and how many, you know, guys are still down at the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible movie. Incredible movie. And I, I don't know what the I, I can't tell you any any more what to think about it than it uh it it, it, it got it got in it got under my skin. So that's good. Yeah. That's a good movie. Uh that's it. What else? we'll see you next week for Atomic Blonde. Yeah, we will. See you then. <laughs>